the more you know about someone's secrets, the richer their blood is. Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Electronic Wireless Show. I am Brendan. It is episode th- 47, excuse me, uh, the 6th of June. I have with me this time Alec Mir. Hello there. It's just us two. 47 is a big number. I can remember like the first season of these podcasts when it was like the founders doing it. We got to like eight and we thought we'd done really well because <laughs> seven got- weeks between each one. But 47, you have steered this ship very well, Mr. Caldwell. You guys did a lot of those old ones though, didn't you? Uh, we did, I mean, less than this, but they, they were pretty sporadic and it felt like a monumental achievement whenever we so, managed to do one. So New Age Electronic Wireless Show has now been going longer than Old Age Electronic Wireless Show. Yeah, certainly in terms of episodes, probably in terms of total time, uh, maybe not yet. Why did you just speak for like five hours every episode? I know I meant in terms of like we'd have one episode every seven weeks or something. So. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did miss an episode last week uh, for which we apologize. But sometimes everybody is busy or there are illnesses or uh, there's a bank holiday which throws everybody off, um, which there was last week. So... And it's also E3 season, which means that everybody's very busy on the lookout for weird news um, and stressed out. I am anyway. I'm not really. I'm not doing anything to do with E3, so I'm fine. How dare you come here with your (laughs) anti-E3 attitude. We're going to talk about E3, but we're also going to talk about other things, like... Vampire, vampire, vampire. Gosh, I've never said it aloud. You know, I've just yeah, it's, I've in my head as I've been writing it, somewhere between vampire and vampire. So vampire, vampire, but I don't know how you'd officially say it. Okay, it's probably just vampire, but it's harder to get the trademark for vampire with an I, so they stuck a Y in. The don't nod vampire game. We'll be talking about that uh, soon, but um, let's talk about E three a little. Because I'm going uh, to LA for the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Have you been Um, there before or is this your first time? This is my first time. I dreamt of this moment since I was 16 years old. And (laughs) I I really don't want to go. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't been for a long time at this point, but I did three or four. Um, And it's, I don't know, it's exactly what, what you'd expect, really. The people saying it's hell on earth aren't quite right. The people saying it's heaven on earth definitely aren't right. But um yeah, it's it's lots of games and people in an extremely busy place, extremely anonymous place as well. And then for some reason all the games journalists go to basically the worst bar on earth night after night for no clear reason. Um you might get to go into a fancy hotel and see a, a B list celebrity looking off their faces and, and that's pretty much it really. This sounds like it comes from a a, a place of prior experience <laughs> yeah i've seen a be- um, the beatless celebrity in particular my my best spot at e3 was uh chris evans uh not the not captain america but the somewhat irritating uh radio personality from the uk and then wife billy piper um of doctor who fame and and things like that and it was shortly before they split and they were they were walking down Sunset Boulevard, I guess you'd call it. It sounds so glamorous, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a very large and weirdly empty road with a burger place on the end. And yeah, I was sat in a like surprisingly affordable pizza restaurant and they walked past holding hands but looking really, really unhappy. And, you know, weeks later, 
presumably one or the other of them was so smitten with lust for this pale game journalist staring at them that they separated and, <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> oh, I like this. I, I might get to see, I don't know who, I would get to see who's the equivalent of Billy Piper and Chris Evans today. Pootie Pie? Yeah, he'll probably be there. Yeah, God, for YouTubers. You need to know YouTubers and then somehow bring yourself to feel starstruck by them. I will try my hardest. <laughs> um, I will my try. My best one, actually, and it's a positive one, was uh, Robin Williams um, at the Rockstar stand. I think it was for for Bully, maybe. And he turned up... Really? D- dressed... You know, I don't want to speak ill of anyone, but dressed a bit like Steve Buscemi in that. Um, uh, what's the meme? You know, the the. Oh, hello, fellow teens. Hello, fellow kids. Yeah, um, yeah, dressed somewhat like that, but he looked lovely. And best of all, he just he patiently queued up at the door to this stand, and he asked very patiently and you know, um, just chummily if possibly could he come and have a look please and everyone's just staring at him in disbelief but he's just being the nicest politest man clearly just very enthusiastic about this stuff and uh, unfortunately i was too cool for school and thought oh it's yeah yeah i don't talk to celebrities and then sort of regretted it for the rest of my life afterwards so i didn't actually say hello but he he you know he emanated good vibes i would say cool that's much better than chris evans it is yeah i hope i get to see someone good now so i can come back with the story <laughs> Let's talk about video games. Uh, what do we think, or what do we know, is going to be shown at E3? Uh, there have been a few leaks already. There's been a few sort of leaks, but not leaks like the the Bethesda stuff. I, I guess we will never know how um how much they've released when they uh, intended to. Um, but yeah, we know about Rage Two and Fallout seventy six. There's a lot of mystery about Fallout 76. What 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 do you reckon it's going to be? Um, haven't there been? I don't I have no idea. This is speculation entirely. Uh, but there have been rumors to the effect of it is a multiplayer survival game, which feels really odd because it feels like feels like that was something. To yeah, do. We're, on, we're on Battle Royale now, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it makes kind of sense. It makes more sense to me that it'd be some kind of building or society or like time building thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Because that's the vibe of the teaser trailer was all you start again. You're coming out of this fallout shelter. It's set years and years before the other fallouts, you know, the other new fallouts, three and four uh, in New Vegas. So it's set earlier than that. I think, yeah. I don't know, only a couple of decades after the bombs fall, so you're the first people coming out to fix everything up. Which means the game can do whatever it wants without treading on the toes of any any other Fallout games. Um, so I think making it like a safe space, as it were, in terms of lore is quite telling. You know, players yeah. can go and, if it is multiplayer, all these players can go and just essentially crap all over the world and it, it won't matter too much. Yeah, it feels very odd to make a multiplayer thing from... I can, in terms of it being some kind of multiplayer survival building thing, I can totally see the the technical logic of it, both in that obviously they're not going to do a full fat new Fallout at this point. They want to reuse a lot of stuff and tech they've already established for Fallout mm. 4. Yeah. But that had a lot of crafting stuff, a lot of which was um, somewhat superfluous to playing the main game because it was restricted to specific areas. You know, there were boundaries of NPC hubs that you could keep it within. But taking that and expanding it out to a whole Fallout world that, you know, isn't as questy, but um, you can build anywhere and, you know, you've got a single player living in the middle of the radioactive desert in his little hut or you've got a whole community here. I can, you know, you're right to say that it feels a couple of of years behind the, the survival curve, but people still play a lot of those games and Fallout is obviously a massive draw and they do have a lot of the foundations for it. So I could see how it it would make sense, but it depends whether or not they can get past that sort of giant crowd of people yelling, oh, but I want a single-player RPG, which maybe it won't be. I think there will be a lot of people saying that. Um, I'm not too I'm not too worried myself about a Fallout game going off the uh, 
off the fallout track if that makes sense yeah um, because i wasn't i liked four i think i played a lot of four but i can't remember a single, i can't remember anything <laughs> about it yeah uh, i'm more sad that there's just not more elder scrolls well we don't know that yet but um, yeah it does kind of seem unlikely they'd do a a fallout uh unid game even if it's handled by um Avalanche this year. Um, sorry, that click probably sounded terrible. No, it works fine. <laughs> um, let's just do an hour of clicking until we get to the end. Uh, yeah, I don't reckon they'll do an Elder Scrolls that year as well. I reckon that'll be next year's deal. But I'll be happy to be wrong. I would be very happy to be wrong. But yeah, again, I think um, one of the executives at Bethesda, I think Pete Hines did say that the next Elder Scrolls game was a while away. Yeah, I reckon. It, it, like, they already have a lot of projects in the works before they even get to that. But you never know. We might see, like, a teaser or something for it. Like, a I don't know, a, a kind of clue as to the setting or something like that. Yeah. If they're greedy for attention. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, they kind of had, or it looks like they had a bit of a rough year in terms of sales last year. This whole thing about is the big single-player game on its way out which would also support the idea that fallout 76 is a bit more kind of multiplayer zeitgeisty or yesterday's zeitgeist anyway um <laughs> yeah but th- th- that said the thing i'm most looking forward to from their their raft of stuff is whatever this prey expansion is because i absolutely love prey last year and you, you weren't too keen on it were you but um I just had a great time just losing myself in spending dozens of hours trying to figure out how to open doors. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to do more of that for 12 hours or, or whatever. I I don't even need like new enemies or new tales or something. I just want a load want of doors. doors I need to find a way to get behind. It just <laughs> pleases me. Um, they are making an expansion that everyone says is going to be on the moon. And yeah. everyone says like they've been hinting very heavily that it's going to be on the moon. Yeah, I just hope it's not too little you know generally i want small games but um because i am a parent as i have mentioned on every single damn podcast today <laughs> we even had a special podcast that yeah, was all about you being a parent. so yeah finding time for like long things a lot of games i play for about six hours and i'm like i know what this is now i don't need to play it to the end but prey was different because i could just dip in and out of it like you move on to a new zone there's a bunch of new doors to get behind yeah, I just want something that could last me a month or two in, in that vein if it's just like one small hub with a couple of shooty bits I'll feel a bit let down but they've taken a long time over it so hopefully it's pretty meaty uh, what else let's see my list what else uh, we had a couple of leaks um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is one Assassin's Creed goes to Greece yeah that's very that- much in, in the, the vein of games I just I, I cannot logistically or in good conscience find the time to play like i i played a little bit of oranges 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 uh, <laughs> it did seem like a, a step up but it's you know they're so massive i couldn't make room for it when there's all this other stuff to play so i'm sure uh, you know ancient greece is a nice setting i like the fact they're doing this ancient stuff as well because it, it can make them tonally a lot more different than just another uh couple of centuries back city but i very much doubt i'll be playing much of it I just enjoyed that it was uh, leaked by a piece by a keyring, basically yes. a pr- promotional <laughs> keyring with a Spartan helmet on it. Yeah, um, or a Greek helmet. I don't know if it's Spartan or not. Still, its job was to promote, and promote it did. It sure did its job. Um, something something I've always wondered on leaks like this is how, you know, obviously it causes a lot of panic, but how disastrous is it really for these companies? Yeah. You know, it disrupts marketing, marketing strategies and all that and maybe spooks shareholders, but does it actually make the game make less money or be less anticipated? Or is it just the concept of having less control of the information? I almost feel like it's a benefit to them often um, in a way that the leaks are almost... It's almost useful for them to for a leak, especially something like that to come out because the fact that it's leaked by a piece of promotional tat is newsworthy by itself like that's funny yeah Um, yeah and it creates more of a sense of mystery about it than just like here is your teaser trailer and now your trailer it's just it's the wondering it makes people ask questions a lot more i think it also gets them i mean in terms of our writing news posts about it it also gets them an extra news like an extra bit of uh attention 
yeah, straight off yeah. the bat, like straight away. Okay. Thing leaked, then thing confirmed. Um, what else did people lose control of? Uh, Square, no, not Square Enix. Um, Warner Brothers put up a had a picture hosted on one of their websites uh, of a Hitman Two logo. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I I will eat up as much Hitman as as Io can make. That's great news. I mean, because I suppose there's a slightly iffy track record on PC specifically for Warner lately. Um, and there was the loot box thing with mm. whatever the Mordor one was. So I hope. I hope it's strictly a publishing deal and it's not like a Warner game because I think there's a few things those guys need to be thinking out of thinking about a bit more. But you know, we can't pretend that IO getting a massive dose of cash from a big publisher won't make for a significantly spiffier hitman than, than doing it themselves would. Uh yeah, it would be a huge shame if uh, Hitman suddenly had a lot more loot boxes in it than it had previously do we think it's gonna be how i don't think it's gonna be that different from the current hitman i think it's probably gonna feel a lot more like hitman season two um i don't know it's interesting they're calling it hitman Hitman 2 and not hitman season two and we were supposed to have season two you know by this point already so i don't know if that's just because i didn't have the cash or they've you know decided to go much bigger on it it's just it does seem odd. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say no to kinda simply more more in the vein of what we've got. I mean it's it's a big game, but there are only so many settings it doesn't feel even remotely exhausted yet, does it? No, I think they could do a, a, a whole lot more with it. I mean they've been able to do a lot with it. Hitman the whole series already. Um Hitman's it's quite formulaic in a way, like easy to come up with new things all you need to do is think of a really interesting setting um get someone very skilled at level design to do that and then fill it with uh people doing their routines and you've almost got i mean like that makes it sound a lot easier than it obviously is (laughs) just do that yeah but 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 it feels like it as a formula once you've got that down and they think i think they really did get it down with the first hitman then it's so easily applied to the next one if you just want to make more of the same, which I think would fly with a lot of people. A lot of people do just want more of that Hitman. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I'd be happy with it. But as a thought experiment, if this was like a Warner game and their things are the Arkham games and the Mordor games, which are oh, you know, one big oh, open no. world. No. You know, if we put aside like the the uglier UB maps of aspects of that and focus on the concept of a Hitman in one big city... Oh and no! And you're no. you're taking out contracts within that city. No, no, Alec, no! Get away from me! No, that's oh, I would be. I'm, pl- I'm so playing worried. devil's advocate here, but you know what's what's the the basis of your objection to that? Which are the same objections as me? I just want you to say them. <laughs> <laughs> the basis of my objection, I guess, would be, um, yeah, they can't make a huge open world city as detailed and as well as they can make smaller self-contained places. I feel like it's almost a rule, like the wider and the bigger an open world becomes, the less detailed and fascinating it becomes, um, because it it's not dense with characters or yeah uh, little geographical details or twists and turns or alleyways or whatever, that people just start painting their world in broad strokes or whatever. And that's not to say that big worlds aren't better, aren't as good as smaller worlds. But if I think of a really nice exactly city, the the best cities in games are usually quite small. They're not even fully city sized. Like Deus Ex's Mankind Divided city is great. Like, could you imagine? Imagine if Prey, for instance, like everything you love about Prey and all those locked doors. Imagine if Prey Two came out and it was a huge like planet planet wide yep. space station or something. And it didn't have. How could they keep that amount of detail and that amount of uh, attention on all the little things? You just need filler in an open world game, kind of unavoidably. Um, yeah. In an open city game. You need there to be something interesting that can happen moment to moment, and you know that can be quite repeat routine. Like here are some baddies, and yeah, it is hard to see how that could possibly fit with the kind of puzzle mentality of, of a Hitman game. I think yeah. that's why the episodic model really suited it because you could see them um, 
you know, for, for one thing, having the time to really, really finesse each map and make it as sort of layered and dense as as possible in a way that I think turning them all out at once wouldn't have allowed. And also iterate like a lot of the the levels got um, better as they learned tricks as 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 they went along, and just yeah. doing everything at once in a huge city is it's just a huge job to fill everything and. You know what is what would Agent Forty Seven, the Hitman's kind of work a day thing between contracts do as he wanders between the city? Is there a way to make that either interesting or not stupidly, you know, combaty? No, I think any Hitman game that would suddenly result in Hitman in in Mister Hitman in Ian Hitman running from one place to another, yeah, yeah, like really fast, like for most of the game, would totally miss the point of a Hitman game. If you're yeah. running around, like, going from A to B, then you're doing Hitman wrong. You're supposed to be walking very slowly and <laughs> cautiously. Uh, okay, so Hitman 2, or Hitman Season 2, who knows, uh, is, is probably on the cards. What else? Beyond Good and Evil 2 will probably be showing a little bit more of that. Yeah, I mean, we're hoping someone is going to unexpectedly say Red Dead Redemption 2 is on PC, but... I'll be pretty surprised if if we get the PC version straight away. I imagine it will be a year or so later. I think it's already been said that it's a PlayStation ex- timed exclusive. That oh, doesn't it? mean that doesn't mean that it's coming out on a PC, but it does mean that it will be on PS4 before so, anything else. The, sometimes the PlayStation or Xbox exclusives will come out on PC as well. It's more about not being on the other console. But yeah, if they haven't said PC, if, exactly. If they haven't said anything about it so far, so um, it better come out on PC because if it doesn't, they're fools. Yeah, fools. <laughs> what else? Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Have we said that yet? Oh, we haven't said it. Um, I imagine it'll be there in in some way. I've seen one of the PRs on Twitter, maybe hint, not naming it or the studio at all, but saying there's going to be big things and you know it's possible i'll be surprised if there wasn't something but i'll be I'll... very surprised okay because i have a, an appointment with cd project there you go and if it, it's for a unknown thing let but me ask it's... you this brendy do you like gwent oh do you God. like dlc if it turns out to be gwent, <laughs> a gwent expansion i'll cry i'll, I'll cry <laughs> on the shoulder of whatever cd project person is t- telling me about the new gwent deck I like Gwent, but I'll cry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's coming out this year, um, uh, Cyberpunk, but I think they'll show something. Just hope it's game and not cinematic, but we shall see. I think a lot of people are probably getting themselves into will probably be getting themselves into a frenzy about Cyberpunk 2077. Um, yeah, it's been just enough time since Witcher now that it really feels like we need another thing from them. Um, yeah, except that I don't know, like, is The Witcher 3 all that? Is that is that a controversial thing to say? It is and it isn't. Quite a lot of it is really, really good. Um, some of it, I think, is a dearth of real competitors. Not that there weren't other RPGs, but like the Bioware stuff, which would have been the normal point of comparison, was you know doing very, very different things. Um, uh, the Last Dragon Age was a bit MMO-y. In, in structure and then Mass Effect Andromeda mm. my mm. face is tired <laughs> uh, so yeah it helps Witcher seem Witcher 3 seem even prouder but yeah there's bits I wasn't so keen on but there's stuff that's amazing the outdoor environments the bloody Baron quest and you know it really whets the appetite for more of that that's you know really really solid kind of classic RPG stuff but writ on this this grand widescreen palette definitely want more of that um yeah i I, i'm very happy that it's that they've chosen like the cyberpunk setting um because uh although i did like the city of deus ex the kind of the mission to mission chatting to people wasn't very good your character adam jensen is a bore par excellence like he's just Oh, he's just nice. No, the most uninteresting man you've ever embodied in a game. <laughs> um, it made me think of, even though it wasn't the same, but you know, 
Buffy, there's that point she dies and they bring her back the next uh, season and she's just really unhappy about it for plot reasons that turn up. But I got that vibe from Adam Jensen. Like, I was I was dead and now I'm just doing more of this crap again. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, although that said, I mean, I didn't find Geralt very interesting. I... What's, what's interesting about Geralt is that Geralt, rather, is that he's not interesting most of the time, but occasionally he will show the depth beyond, and that you know a lot of the the disinterest is like a professional facade, and it made those moments where he showed himself a lot stronger. Um, but yeah, moment to moment, he could just kind of be a a gruff template from which to have RPG adventures. Yeah, I want whoever's um, in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven to have a bit more. I don't know. Either to just let you make your own person um, or to have something that differs from the usual mm, kind of trench coat wearing detective of cyberpunk or whatever. I want to have someone who kind of enjoys themselves. Um, yeah. Which we don't have a, a lot of like Tomb Raider. There's a new Tomb Raider and this is the, the paradigm of that is that Lara in the last couple of games has been someone who is scared or vengeful or determined, but I just wanted to have fun. Like I'm doing the coolest thing in the world and I'm choosing to do it, but it's stuck in these kind of, you know, I'm learning to be a great warrior morass of just grimness that becomes slightly boring. She's not the Tomb Raider yet. She's not the Tomb Raider yet, Alec. That phrase that this is, we are completing her origin story. It's been three games, dozens of hours. <laughs> she has origined. She origined within about two hours of the first game. Why do we need more? That of this? was, this is what they, for anyone who doesn't know, this is what they had at the top of the kind of press release. And, you know, I, I don't know if they put it in the video or not, but it was the phrase, you know, join Lara as she becomes the Tomb Raider. And it's like, she was, she's been the Tomb Raider for a while now. She has raided so many tombs. It's like, what does a girl have to do to get a qualification? Like, <laughs> uh, it's like she's done the theory test, now she has to do the practical test. <laughs> Little UK driving uh, driving instruction reference for you there. Um, we do have a preview, uh, a little hands-on of the, that newest Tomb Raider, which uh, I'll link to. Um, Edwin did one for us so yeah. uh, we'll throw that in and he wasn't see. quite sure about it was he if I remember correctly um, he was a bit wary yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything else let's think um, I know there's going to be at least one other thing from Warner Brothers don't know what it is um, there's going to be a couple of new things from Square Enix are you no. safe to say these things on a, on a public forum um well, I don't know what they are, so, I mean... But even saying, like, there's a new game, they don't necessarily like that, so... I didn't Good. sign anything that says I couldn't say anything about an unannounced game. Fair enough. I mean, like, you can almost say this, like, every game studio in the world is working on something. Like, if they're if they're alive, then they're working on something. They've got unannounced projects, so to say that Square Enix have X amount, X amount of unannounced projects it's like it's a given you already know that i mean take it for granted that every look at a game studio do they have something that you know of no then they've got an unannounced project absolutely i'm not saying anything that people don't already know or can guess all i'll say is uh, i don't own the website anymore so it's it's not my problem if you can see. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's think though what are what what's your most outlandish not prediction but desire What's your most unlikely dream to come out of E3? Like an announcement of a game that you'd you'd be over the moon to see? Oh, I don't know if it's if we'd use the word unlikely, but you know, I'm I'm very ready to hear about a, a, a new XCOM. We haven't mentioned or don't seem to know what Two K are up to, but uh, you know, it's been yeah, two years ago was XCOM two in February 2016. So if they showed an XCOM three uh, at E3 and it came out next year it's three years between the two that's plausible isn't it uh yeah i'm just i'm I'm ready for more of that and um yeah xcom 2 went like as big as it could as silly as it could with war of the chosen and to now like double down on on the nuts and bolts of of xcom stuff with a full third one i think they teased some terror from the deep stuff like possibly an underwater menace um yeah i'd love to see see what those guys are up to it's phoenix point not 
not satisfying you. Yeah, it's great that's that's happening too. Um, but you know, it's 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 a parallel track. Um, yeah, just just in terms of stuff that's that that's unrevealed, it would definitely be an XCOM three to see what they do because it's forked off completely down its own path now. It's not X hyphen com anymore, but not in a way that upsets me anyway. It's it's its own game, its own interesting entity, and I'm super keen to see what they're doing. I think I would just be happy with a. Uh something about the new new elder scrolls well you're not getting it but it's been so long <laughs> um a couple of weeks ago i went back and played a bit of skyrim just because i don't know i was looking for a road to walk down um, <laughs> and yeah i just remembered i was playing it and i felt kind of guilty for playing it thinking this game is really old i don't uh I don't know why I'm doing this. There's no greater purpose to this. I, I can't really write about this very much in work anymore because there's no point. Um, everything you can say about Elder Scrolls has already been said. Or everything you could say about Skyrim has already been said. Nostalgia for Skyrim, a thing that's still there and still being tinkered with, is quite a... It's an interesting subject in itself. Yeah, but that was the thing. It was that I was playing it. And as I was playing it... Because I, I just remember being surprised at how much fun I was having, even though, even though I played it to death, you know? Um, so I think that sparked in me a little, a little, a little need for something more Bethesda, not Fallout seventy six. So you're you're very much pro Skyrim, are you? Because I know it's it's quite divisive amongst our readership, and I think for quite a lot of people, sentiments turned a bit more negative over time after initial excitement. Um, did, did they? I thought it was like. I thought it was university. I thought it was liked to the point of being a cliche. <laughs> That's why I was partly afraid of liking it. No, <laughs> I, like, I didn't did want to upset the people who thought I was a bore for liking boring Skyrim. I think it's like a precursor to sentiments about Fallout Four that it had maybe sacrificed some of the role playing on like the 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 crucifix of action too much, and people felt it had. Some people felt it had less depth and it was trying too hard with, you know, the dragony stuff and the shouting-y stuff and it didn't feel as alive or as, um, you know, complex as, as Morrowind or even Oblivion. It probably was... didn't. I think I think they're right. Um, but in this age, uh, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any temptation at all to try um, Elder Scrolls Online? I didn't impressions i did the first review we did of elder scrolls online um and it was i i disliked it so much that <laughs> i couldn't bring myself to play it for the amount of time that would be necessary for a full review so we had to call the piece an impressions piece um uh because i really really did not enjoy it i thought that I thought, but it's changed quite a lot, and I know it has. But when yeah, it has, when it yeah. when it first came out, um, it was very restrictive. You couldn't go anywhere you wanted. With it was a lot like um, kind of World of Warcraft. You know, the higher level things were in a certain place, and you couldn't go there because you would die. And it it just felt like the antithesis of an Elder Scrolls game. You couldn't go wherever you wanted, um, which is what which is the point of an Elder Scrolls game. Um, the writing in it was kind of just kind of the usual go and kill five rats kind of thing. Um, and I know Elder Scrolls writing isn't the best. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, a lot of people say it's better than it is, um, but it's not great. Uh, so that continued. And yeah, and it was also, I don't know, it was just, it felt nothing. It just felt like an MMO with an Elder Scrolls skin, which I didn't. Which was fine for some people. I didn't like at all. Um, but I know it's changed. You played a bit of Somerset Isles recently. I played some of, some of Somerset. Yeah, well, a lot of Somerset and um, some of Morrowind. Um, uh, and I would say it is genuinely now a fusion of an Elder Scroll games and an MMO. It's not one wearing the skin of the other. It's the two kind of coexisting with massive compromises as part of it, but not in a in a really unbearable way. There's a lot that's like the the writing is fine, but the voice acting is a bit, you know, lackluster. And there's so much of it, so it's I end up clicking through a lot of stuff. Nothing really engages. But they have worked hard to stop quests being go there and fetch that or kill that. They tried to 
put all this stuff around it and uh, there's so much optionally to do you can go anywhere and you've got the guilds are just an option a thing you can do for kicks like in an Elder Scrolls game so I disappeared down a thieves guild well for ages just doing my own thing and it leveled up some skills but it was not like grinding for anything it was genuinely I was off on the, on this this quest chain um, so it doesn't there's so much in there with the MMO stuff as well that it's it's not overwhelming but there's a lot of things kind of competing for your attention more so than like a Skyrim too much so um, so it's not quite as as freeing as those feel but it's it's definitely on to something it's definitely made this this fusion work it wouldn't be my first game of choice but I'm fairly impressed by how they've managed to integrate this stuff what else is there any other Spelunky 2 Spelunky 2 we know that's a thing yeah it'd be nice to really see what that involves um hopefully less clown noses what are the clown noses in Spelunky all the all the characters have those little red noses which just make me think <laughs> they look like the mascots from some like fairy company in the 1980s or something to me <laughs> like the pictures you'd get on a on the children's food menu or something i love the spelunky is such a tightly designed game and so uh respected that the only thing we can find to critique about it are the noses i know on the characters. <laughs> i am that petty um but it's more because i don't know what i have to say in terms of what i want from a new spelunky i just i just want more spelunky, more stuff that's so tight, you know, really interesting enemies and, and gizmos. But I don't know what I've got to say in terms of if I want spelunky to specifically do X or Y, which is partly because I don't need it to do new things, oh. but also because I completely trust... Um, what's his face? Sorry, remind me. Dev's name, Derek Yu. Derek Yu, yeah. Yeah, I completely... Whatever he does, I completely trust him. He knows what he's doing, apart from the noses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so survival multiplayer Spelunky two. That's my prediction. Oh no, Spelunky two battle royale. Open world survival battle royale, crafting Spelunky two. I mean, that's another question. How much battle royale do we think we're going to see at E three, and how much do we have to see before the entire world just goes? Oh, I'm done with this now. We are definitely going thing? to see. Um, well, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, isn't it? Um, it is going to have a Battle Royale mode, we know that much. Um, what else? Uh, I don't think Bat- the new Battlefield is. Apparently but not, but they might just give it its own name. A different name, yeah. Uh, there's a game called Mavericks, which I looked at when we were in, when Adam and I were in Gamescom. Uh, and it is aiming for a was it 300, 400 player battle royale. Um, it'll be at E3. It'll be probably shown on some screen at some point during one of these conferences. Yeah. Uh, or maybe, no, the PC gaming show, I bet, we'll take a look at that. Uh, we don't talk about them. We don't talk about them. I had to apply for a, a pass, um, like a you know an invite to the PC gaming show conference. <laughs> Um, so on the invite form, I just wrote, you know, Brendan Caldwell, rock, paper, shotgun. Um, I'm coming to spy on you guys. <laughs> just wrote that in the little notes field. Uh, hopefully they don't reject me for being the yes, competition. It, it, it probably won't be one of the staff members of uh, PC Gamer who look at that. It'll be some random HR staffer who's like, well, no, he's not getting in. <laughs> no, it's fine. The HR people, they, they'll know. They'll know. <laughs> they'll know whether they were friendly they were friendly rivals right guys right from our jaunty tribute site um so yeah i think there'll be a lot of there'll be enough battle royale that you will that we will anyway be very uh probably yawning at. i imagine this stuff is going to become you know after this year or two of excitement just unexpected mode it's like you have team deathmatch you have to have a battle royale mode, but it won't be like a big deal much longer. It'll just be like, yes, that is in there because this is a a new game. It has to have a new shooter. It has to have that mode. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, the 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 real 
limit to a battle royale was probably just the network networking and once it got to a point where you can have a hundred players on a field of course every multiplayer shooter game i mean you got brendan green who's arguably the first person to consider this or you know and make it workable uh but once once it was workable it almost feels like it was an inevitable game mode yes Um, yeah it is it's weird isn't it you think wasn't this always here how was this not always there were some other things that did have it first there was that what was that one that was a survival game um but it was also uh the the hunger games oh the culling the culling yeah that was doing it first i think h1z1 had it as a mode um, first as well didn't it yeah h1z1 player... sorry but it originally had come from an arma mod so yes uh, that's true so yeah but game wise yeah it, it's all a bit of a mix-up it hit this is why i wrote our first article for battlegrounds and i wasn't interested in it at all because by then i had already played loads of battle royale style survival you know survival in a big on a big map with a lot of players style same games. same yeah i've been doing the steam charts it suddenly start started cropping up and i was just dismissive like, oh it's another one with just some men and some guns and some slightly drab graphics on an island and yeah i regret that i was just being snooty i didn't i didn't th- i didn't really think about why has this suddenly leapfrogged everyone else because the reason was it's much better it's much more atmospheric uh, and that was very much my bad I just think it's more accessible I just think it's the most accessible vanilla battle royale that you can get and therefore it has such a wide audience because it's so easy to get into kind of yeah I mean the culling was accessible but it also had all this it had a Craft, load of crafting, crafting stuff. stuff in it, though. As Everyone well. had to kind of spec up with some rocks, banging some rocks together before they could get to the point of, I have a gun, and if I see someone, I'm going to have this scary little skirmish with them. Yeah, I mean, saying that, I I enjoyed the culling a lot more than I enjoyed Battle uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds because it at least did things a little different. Like in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, a trap is running into a house and hiding in a corner and waiting for someone to come through the door and shooting them any trap or any kind of play or tactical uh decision always is always just done at the point of a barrel of a gun but in the culling i mean you had weapons you had melee weapons first of all which we were killing people barrel of a rock but you had these traps that you could actually set up like spike traps and trip wires and gases and stuff like this that would and, and choke you know choke points that were built into the map it was a much much smaller map than any of the player unknowns battlegrounds maps Mm. but it would they were you know they were designed so that you would put traps in certain places and try and lure people um and you had all the normal battle uh battle royale stuff on top of that you know the closing battlefield and the (laughs) you know the the dropping in at random points yeah yeah. um so it had it this is why whenever i played battlegrounds i was like well this is kind of a boring battle royale game but actually it turns out that it's just extremely playable it's just you just drop in and you run around and shoot and that is its strength in my in my view but it's its atmosphere as well i mean the culling the culling feels like center parks a bit like murder center parks (laughs) whereas um i i don't have another european leisure center analogy for for battle royale but it felt like for sorry for battlegrounds but it feels like more like the road you know the the film and and book but it's not post-apocalyptic it's just like you're moving through this very quiet dead place and suddenly these things will happen and it's the suddenness and the unexpectedness of it in all this great space and emptiness is is really tense and and chilling and you know the silence of people um whereas everyone in the culling is kind of immediately a cartoon yeah that's true that is fair uh we've talked a lot about e3 but we did promise that we would talk a bit about vampire vampire because it's what you've been playing yes just just read my review why should i have to talk about this (laughs) you people we've Uh, got a review so I'll, I'll link to the review as well um but yeah tell tell us what 
Tell us what's va- what is vampire. Uh, vampire vampire uh, is I guess you'd call it a role playing game, but it's it's like a it's like a hybrid of a very very simplified and eased Bloodborne or Dark Souls in terms of combat and uh, a Telltale or Life is Strange style kind of moral dilemma conversation game with some slightly odd stitching material between that about being a doctor and being both a doctor so you visit parts of the city to cure people's headaches and colds because apparently no one can swallow a codeine pill by themselves um (laughs) and also uh gathering evidence about people um which is sometimes for quests but more commonly it's for some reason there's this conceit in this that the more you know about someone's secrets the richer their blood is um and by richer it means the more experience points you get if you then go and secretly kill these people there are like worker day baddies you can just fight uh, if you bump into them, which is between the, like the quests and conversation hubs, but then in the hubs you can't attack unless you specifically activate mesmerize, which you then lead them to a safe spot and and drink their blood, uh, and you get tons and tons of experience points if you've uncovered uncovered everything about them by talking to other people around them and basically looking for letters hidden in nearby buildings. So the moral dilemma, the central moral dilemma, is in order to be strong enough to cope with the fights against monsters and unravel the conspiracy and save London from this, because it's set in 1918 in London just after the First World War, uh, save London from this possibly supernatural flu that's gripping it. Is it prudent to kill some people in order you can then become strong enough to, to fight the really bad things? So it's it's kind of walking this moral type tightrope of how much can I do without killing anyone are there any people who really really deserve it like there's a the one guy i've killed so far um was a slum landlord who's also racist who was basically just charging migrants through the nose to have terrible terrible lives and he was just making making things worse for everyone and also you find out that he's got no relationships to anyone so no one's going to miss him if you kill him Uh, so I felt kind of good about that in a murderous way when I drank his blood. And as he dies, he's, this is a slight spoiler, but he says, oh, my only regret is not for my villainy, but I wish I'd had some friends or something. <laughs> well, tough. No, well, no. you didn't have any friends because you sound like you were horrible. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm going to be doing that this week. And I know that the fact that I have taken a life means I'm going to... It's going to be like Little Sisters in Bioshock. I've closed the door to getting, like the best possible ending but you know he deserved it and it meant i could i could survive some of the boss fights without doing them a thousand times which was ultimately better for london than keeping this one racist slum landlord alive wow well we know where your priorities lie any any estate agents or landlords listening yeah <laughs> very wary of alec Mir. um are the because in your review you said that the decision making is a little bit is it very simple it does it's not it's not as connected to the, the gamey parts as it maybe seems it kind of goes to two extremes which i think is all to do with making sure like the bulk of the main narrative can just plow through the middle un- uninterrupted you've got these two two sides of it one of which is that though you're offered conversational choices in a lot of the conversations they don't affect anything like you choose one that you think reflects your attitude and then you can just choose all the others anyway you just keep going until you've said every option and only a a small handful of them actually affect someone's attitude towards you and even then it it pretty much stays on the path it wants to tread but on the other hand kind of in parallel to doing the main plot you can as I was saying about looking after the health of these boroughs of London one way of which is just repeatedly bringing aspirin to people who need it so that it stays healthy if it gets too unhealthy it collapses into chaos and npcs who would otherwise be selling you stuff or giving out some subquests turn into vampires or disappear um but also at the end of each hack there's like a central npc to each borough um and a confrontation with them 
uh, is reached at the end of doing all the major missions within it. And as part of that, you have to decide what you're going to do about them. I won't go into detail because it's it's spoilers, but like they're doing a thing and they're saying this thing is for the greater good and you have to decide, uh, you say that, but actually it's not. Or I think that the thing the other person, other major NPC told me is 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 truer. So you might decide to let them go or kill them or use like a vampiric glamour like um uh, like a jedi mind trick yeah yeah um and there's one instance of that the, the thing is it doesn't explain what's going to happen it looks like a moral choice so you pick kind of according to what kind of person you want to be and prior to this you spent hours trying to be like a good guy or a bad guy you're not drinking people's blood or you're solving everyone's problems or giving people lots of medicine so you put the hours into trying to create a specific persona for yourself and a specific situation for this borough. And then it's just a total roulette wheel with this choice because the, the outcomes are not mostly, not always, but mostly they're not telegraphed from the option you pick in these these critical conversations. So you then just get an absolutely bonkers, like, and now everyone's a vampire and everyone's dead and you told this person to forget this one thing, but actually they forgot everything, so they abandoned their duties and millions of people died because it's just, oh, come on. So it's like a periodic, um, it's like that moment in uh, Mass Effect where you choose the renegade option when a reporter is talking to you and you punch her. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, that is not what I meant to do. Yeah, yeah, there's another one where someone's threatening you or something and you've got an option between talking them down in, in, in Mass Effect or... Or a thing to kind of evade them, but yeah, they go and grab a weapon and just shoot them dead. You're like that? No, that <laughs> that's far more extreme than I ever anticipated here. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like that. Like it doesn't either. It hasn't explained itself well enough, which is a editing and writing thing, and there are other problems in that regard. Or it just really likes the idea that you know uh, things are not predictable. You know, you have to accept that you are not in control of everything. But it just goes too far, and it's because it's because it's not in keeping with the general management you do of how people are and who you are it's just really infuriating but on the other hand the consequences of this are still kept off to one side so the main plot is not really touched by it as far as i can tell it just plays into which cutscene you're going to get at the end of the end of the whole game is all so that's quite annoying and i think it also because there's no real save system there's checkpoints and one save so if if you get a bad result that's totally a million miles away from what you were wanting and expecting to happen. You can't do anything about it. You're absolutely stuck with it. Um, so I think it needs to be better explained. I think there needs to be a proper save system because um, there is no way I am going to replay this whole sometimes good, sometimes very dry game from the start just to see different permutations. So it sounds like a mixed bag, really. A mixed, a mixed bag of blood. Yeah, and it's not, you know, you could say that about Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which is obviously the the one everyone wants to compare this to because we want another thing like that, you know, a a very, very deep and morally nuanced RPG about vampires and especially how vampires integrate into the world of of mortals. Um, But that had a great number of technical flaws in the main, but you could see the clear brilliance of the scenarios and the characters throughout, whereas this is more like technically solid but often a bit sort of uninspiring about how it does dialogue and characters and and moral decisions so it's a much harder it's 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 good it's solid in the main but in terms of making it brilliant it isn't just something that could be fixed it's it's in its blood fundamentally a certain <laughs> ordinariness or or inflexibility or excessive randomness paradoxically okay let's let's round this off let's look at what our readers are saying about e3 um we asked uh sorry listeners excuse me we asked our listeners that uh what are your hopes and predictions for e3 this year uh so let's see what They've said, if they've said anything, they might just not care. Sorry if you can hear my cat in the background. I cannot. I'm disappointed that I cannot. Lucas Sedlak says, uh, since Fallout 76 is not going to be made by Obsidian, I don't care. 
Uh, it's people talking about Naughty Dog, so what are you doing here? Go away. That's not relevant to us. We're not getting The Last of Us on PC. Uh, buh -buh. Oh, the new Borderlands thing. Uh, Isius Shumu Paidu. Uh, so he's guessing it's called Border Worlds. Um, I've heard that before somewhere, but that just might be fun thinking. Yeah, they've been teasing stuff, haven't they? Gearbox, that, that something's going to come and it feels about time. And then we have Rage and Borderlands going head-to-head -head again, which is quite interesting. Uh, unfriendly Device says Stalker 2. And yeah, I'm curious to see what they're doing there because we know it's happening from uh, somehow uh, resurrected Dev Studio. Um, I've totally forgotten what they're called. I know this. How could I forget this? Oh, GSC, GSC Game World. Yes. Um, so yes, yeah, some manner of creature is now wearing GSC Games World skin again. It may or may not have some of the original people. And they said they're doing Stalker 2. So, you know, it'd be wonderful to see Stalker 2 demonstrated and it looked like you want a 2018 Stalker sequel to look like. But it could either be, you know, a dumb as nuts shooter or it could be hopelessly shonky. We want some shonkiness in the new Stalker game, but hopefully not as people speculating about Bioshock things, yeah, something is supposed to, there was a rumour a while ago, wasn't there, that there was, someone was working on a new Bioshock game. Was um, there? I yeah, didn't hear that. Something got leaked. I can't remember what it was. We'll have to look that up later. Um, but we know the series was supposed to continue without Irrational. Uh, that was announced way back when. I mean, it makes sense that no one would ever let that go. Um, Professor OK says, looking forward to solid details for two upcoming Lovecraftian games, The Sinking City and Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. Sinking City looks pretty interesting. It does, it does. Um, I almost get like a vibe from Vampire about it, though, that it's going to be close, but not quite. Um, but we'll see. The thing I forgot to say about Vampire is um, I quite like the combat. Um, and I've seen pieces, I was reading one today on... Um, Kotaku, I think, saying they absolutely hated the combat, and I'm getting a bit like a Dark Souls person here, and going, "Well, you're playing it wrong. It's boring because you're not <laughs> playing it tactically and comboing skills, and you know, kind of late game the range of things I've got. While the enemies, there's only like three types you see again and again. Um, there's quite interesting ways to to take people down and really specialize in stuff. And so I guess the Sinking City could do something like that, as long as the combat is interesting in fighting these nameless horrors and not just shooting something that looks a bit squiddy in the face again and again uh let's do one more oh Zelias has just got a, a, a rake of predictions <laughs> cyberpunk 77 good my friend pedro released it uh my friend pedro is like a slow motion 2d or like uh, uh shooter platformer thing it's like a max pn kind of against a 2d on a 2d plane um, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. I'll post a link to a news piece that we did a while back. Can you say um, Max Payne on a 2D plane again? Max Payne on a 2D plane. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also predicting a release date for Disco Elysium, which I would like to know. Oh, yeah. I've been playing the demo of that, um, weirdly, just before Vampire. And wow, the difference in sort of writing quality and characterization <laughs> between the two in Disco Elysium's favor. That's such an interesting, I'm going to call it a perversion, but I mean it complimentary as a compliment, perversion of you know, every other way you do an RPG conversation. It's yeah. so, so rich and twisted. What else does Elias say? Uh, that Red Dead Redemption will have microtransactions in the single player. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, could be, could be. Um, if it's coming to PC, we'll let y'all know. Anyway, that's it. We'd have no more of your cheek, listeners. <laughs> uh, Ask any more questions, and we will personally see to it that no games at all are announced at E3. <laughs> if you have any thoughts or feelings about E3 and you want to let us know, you can do that by emailing podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Or if you have any suggestions on future themes or topics we should talk about on one of our upcoming podcasts, you can do that too. Just send us it. Um, we're also on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, Rock Paper Shot. We've got a video team. 
nigh that's so far consisting of one person, but it's it's got low we've got loads of videos, more videos in the last month than we have had for ages. Uh so check that out on YouTube. Uh what else do I normally say at the end of these things, Alec? Uh, general assertions of affection towards the people who listen to us. Yeah, we love you. Well, we like you. We probably don't love you, but we think you're all right. You smell pretty good. Yeah, except you, Dan. <laughs> um, Alec, you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter? Uh, I'm on Bonzrat, B-O-N-Z-R-A-T. I don't, don't do a lot of tweeting, but I'm there if you want to talk to me. I am on there, Brandy underscore C. Uh, you've been listening to the Electronic Wireless Show and yeah, we like you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.